Hello, it's Editing Nia popping in to say that you may notice that Stacy's audio is a little inconsistent at the beginning of this episode because of some issues that we were having at the time of recording. This gets straightened out at or just before the 10 minute mark. Thank you very much for listening and enjoy. Well, friends, welcome back to Learning Forte's Live, Learn, Repeat podcast. We're in episode three, Strategic Imagination and How a Dream Can Be a Dream Come True. Or to finish that with just a spark, Hannah. Just a spark. And me and you, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Right? No. When I was a kid, I so I, had, I, I shared this with the team. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember traveling to Epcot Center. Uh, and the ride inside that globe or the little golf ball, whatever it was, had this character named Figment at the center of the theme Journey into the Imagination. Uh, and the kitschy song that was on loop during the ride had a chorus, Imagination, Imagination, a dream can be a dream come true with just a spark of me and you. Now, I'm assuming that in some way, shape or form, our musicians on this team are going to customize a version of that song that is copyright appropriate that we could leverage in this episode no pressure no pressure yeah um, right. so we're Greg, not- i have to tell you that Ep- that epcot ride yeah we we went on it many times and my dad was like this is the stupidest ride i've ever been on in my whole life oh it's and right, my awful. brother loved it and we like stayed on it like there was no one in line and we would just stay on it you're, like for like three or four things. Your brother sounds like, delightful. This, this is the well. He was young, but mm-hmm. so I was like, it was a weird ride. I had a purple dragon. It was a, a, a purple figment dragon that I still remember. And if anyone who's listening to this episode can uh, ship one of those to my address in Coastal PA, that would be fantastic. Or also, Hannah, maybe if you find yourself one of those uh, lawn gnomes Buddha statues at the same yeah. location of a figment stuffed animal, I would be. I'll trade. I'll trade you. I'll trade you? Okay. Yeah, I'll trade you. This must be a really, like, core memory for you. It is. It is. Here's here's the thing. Before we go into... I mean, we're not going to unpack our childhood wounds in this episode here or with any of these kitches. Yeah, that's not what we're here for. Um, (laughs) But one of the things I will say, Hannah, if you can let your brother know, in researching, the extensive research I did for the title of this episode, which included... Googling this song, 30 seconds, <laughs> found out that that ride is back. It's back? It is. It's been redone. <gasps> Field trip. <laughs> we could do a live podcast from the ride. We will have arrived if we podcast live from Disney World. <laughs> we can do a full a full cohort of the Strategic Imagination Sandbox could be on that <laughs> ride. Like right there. <laughs> My favorite for those so that are... So we're staying in Orlando for seven weeks? <laughs> I feel like also if we were together for seven weeks, we'd be like, mm, I signed up to be on a remote team, and this is not that. Does anybody know where Greg is? Yeah, he's talking to himself over there at the journey to the imagination. Yeah. Leave him be. Yeah. Leave him be. So anyway, back to this kitschy phrase, which went way better than I even imagined when I introduced this to you all. So thank you. Um, So I wanted to say, 
pull it apart. Uh, a dream can be a dream come true with just a spark from me and you. <laughs> well, I would say that is definitely Disney magic because um, imagine a dream can be a dream come true with just a spark. No, no. There are so many other factors that come in. <laughs> And I'm like, I am logistics all the way, baby. Like, I, <laughs> sorry. And this, okay, but this works. That is some really magical is. thinking right there, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes, that is magical. That sounds like a great movie for Disney. Like, the next movie, Logistics. <laughs> yeah, like, but this is, okay, so, um... The strategic part of strategic imagination, right? Because the sky is never the limit. We teach kids, oh, the sky is the limit, blah, blah, blah. That's not real. Like, there there are always boundaries. There are always um, truths. Contextual realities. Contextual realities that you have to work within, and then you imagine within those. Yeah. I, I buy that, Hannah. I'm Thanks. on board with that. With that. Um, the last one you did not agree with me on, so I'm glad we're correct. on the same page with this one. <laughs> <laughs> correct. I do feel like we are, we, like the universal we, are guilty of, you know, saying, you know, think outside the box, There's the sky is the limit, all that stuff. But I feel like we forget the balance to that, which is like... And here's what you need to do to get there. And here's, you know, here are just some things that are going to need to happen along the way. Oh, it's kind of like, um, Greg, you said with embodied spirituality, like keyword for you being us, like a keyword here being and between me and yeah. you, which is like, okay, there's me and all of the things that I need and want because you know dreams <laughs> and <laughs> there's you and all of the things that you want and need and the reality of that like the realities just keep compounding mm -hmm. it brings to mind that phrase we have used a couple times outside the box inside your context yeah mm -hmm. um I just was gonna say like there's a deep connection here between strategic imagination and contextual realities and I think that it comes out of my experiences in two different kind of contexts. One, having been the senior chaplain and chair of religious studies at the National Cathedral School for Girls, in which um, I experienced all these times of all of these young women being told they could do everything, but not being taught that they can't do everything at once. Um, and so like this, that reality piece of of wanting that, but then also serving a really small congregation as the part-time rector, my options aren't the same in that environment as they are in other environments. And so like, if we're honest about the contextual realities, then we can be strategic and engage our imaginations. But I think that we, um, to deny the context and how that needs to be understood strategically and how that intersects with creativity is to live into the myth of exceptionalism, which prevents us from ever having to like deal with the systemic reasons that people aren't able to be as successful or imaginative or as strategic, which is like what we referred to earlier in our episode about um, curious engagement that not everybody has all of the privileges to engage each of these ideas in the same way. 
Mm-hmm. And um, like, I think that the myth of the exceptional, like I'm Chickasaw, the myth of the exceptional Indian, Native American or Indian, the myth of the exceptional woman, all of those kinds of myths um, make it so that we have excuses to not deal with the systemic realities that we need to address in order to make the common good available to all people. And so like, this is why one reason this is so important to me. I think <clears throat> I think that's really important what you just said, Stacey. Um, the dreams don't become like real just from a little spark. There is so much that goes into it. But I also think of I, mean, I spent 13 years in youth ministry. And I remember I used to get so stressed when people would constantly say, you can be anything you want to. Um, and it put a lot of pressure on teenagers all the time. But also it didn't take into consideration everything you just said the constraints that are imposed upon people sometimes based off of their their socioeconomic realities or the realities of racism that they might face growing up in a particular context or the access that they might have to education or fill in the blank like there's or if they're ordained or not in the context we work so much That's yes right. i mean so greg and much. i are both ordained and the other three people on this podcast aren't and we ha- we are afforded privileges and we are afforded ways that people, clients engage with us differently. And we see that all the time. Absolutely. It brings to mind that quote that uh, I just looked it up. Girls with big dreams become women with vision. And we talk about how you can have a dream, but at some point you have to ha- have a vision. And then like we, like we teach through our objective formula and our backward design process, you have to have stated goals you have to have working objectives that get you toward your goal. And so it's not enough just to have a dream. One of the things that we've talked about a lot in, in that strategic imagination sandbox, is, and Stacey, I've learned this significantly from, from you, is about how constraints drive creativity. And so often what we do is we think of constraints as just limitations and then we shut down. But instead, constraints are really just the context of which we're in and we recognize them, we name them, and then we can leverage them in a way, or at least just respond within that knowing uh, in a way that is able to drive the impact that is most effective to our work. And I think I'm wondering if like, as we make this shift here um, from the kitschy figment to uh, what we're talking about with strategic imagination as a value, if you could unpack a little bit about, that phrase constraints driving creativity. We use these phrases and throw them around a lot because we talk about them all the time, but we actually really do have a lot of conversations about what they mean. And for us, strategic imagination is aligning creative possibilities with contextual reality allows us to develop sustainable solutions. So there really is this relationship between creative possibilities, contextual realities, and sustainable solutions. And I think that constraints are just the contextual reality you live in. Everybody has constraints. Um, Whether you're having to preach to only 20 people like I do at the little church I serve, or you're preaching to 2,000 people gathered in the same room, it's a constraint. 
There are things I'm able to do in this little congregation and sermons that I could never do when I was at National Cathedral School in a big environment. And so like, I think that it's all about your perspective, where you're seeing something from. And so the shift of seeing a constraint to becoming a, to becoming a moment of creativity is about identifying what your perspective is and then having that curious engagement with, okay, how can I see this differently? Um, and, um, you know, I learned this, one of the places I learned this is a favorite activity I had when I would do a lot of adult ed facilitation is that activity where you give people just a piece of construction paper and a glue stick and they have to tear whatever they want out of the paper. They don't, they're not allowed scissors. They're not allowed any pens. And so I began to sort of say, okay, how do you represent your own spiritual journey by using torn construction paper and a glue stick. And I was always amazed at like what people came up with. And so over and over, I think that my experience has been some of the most creative clients we have are those that are living within pretty specific constraints or realities because they're the same thing. Yeah, I think that this kind of language goes back when uh, a couple episodes ago, Sarah talked about the growth mindset and it's really a scarcity mindset or a growth mindset right? Constraints driving creativity. Constraints can be suffocating. And if you look at them with a scarcity mindset, then that's all you can see, right? But if you flip it and you look at how your constraints can drive your creativity, that is the growth mindset flip. And that is really where that strategic imagination muscle starts to come into play. And it's that, um, in our theological language, we use the word scarcity. Carol Dweck, who is the educator who did most of the research around growth mindset, oh, yeah. she uses the term fixed mindset as the opposite mm. of a growth mindset. And I think yeah. that that's a really helpful way to break open some of this idea. How much is we find scarcity when our perspective and our mindset is fixed? Mm -hmm. We find creativity when our mindset is growth oriented. That, that's some knowledge dropped right there. Um, <laughs> I, I've never thought of it like that when it comes to being fixed, which makes me think here to a, <clears throat> a pretty pivotal question, but it's simple, is when you hear the phrase strategic imagination, actually what comes to mind in light of everything that we're saying here, especially when you think about bringing those two tor terms together? I do a lot of like creating in my work and in my life, and... I am most satisfied when I do have some sort of framework to start with. Like creating from scratch is super hard. Like I I have, you know, songwriting is probably the closest I've ever gotten to creating from scratch. Yeah. Um, but a lot of the design work I do at Learning Forte, I... Uh, often have somewhere to hang my hat, you know, um, on, and I just, and I thrive sort of having those building blocks and like playing with where they go and turning them this way and turning them that way. And then sometimes I get stuck and I have to like talk to my teammates. But for me, that's, that's what came up when I thought of strategic imagination. For me, it's like about making it sure that it's as important what Hannah does in her process expertise and her project management expertise is as important to our ability to be imaginative 
as what Sarah does in her graphic design work. And I think pairing those words together for me helps um, make sure that we don't assume that something is creative or something is not. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know that she'll ever listen to this podcast, but maybe even if she would, I'd be happy to hear her. I mean, I remember growing up and my mother telling, saying things like, well, I'm not a creative person. You guys, my mom made my wedding dress and all of the bridesmaids dresses for my wedding. Like, my mom is one of the most creative people I've ever known, but her definition of what it went to be creative is that she wasn't a fashion designer. She didn't do her own patterns. She used somebody else's patterns. And so from her perspective, she wasn't like as creative as others. That's not, that's what I'm trying to, I think the combination of these words tries to break open. Yeah. I've never thought about just the combination of those words really being the thing that like kind of blows that whole concept open that like, there are not creative people and non-creative people. Like everybody has some way that they are creative, whether it's doing the laundry or being like a fine artist. It's so interesting to me because um, my creativity looks very different than Sarah's, as Stacy mentioned, but it is much easier for me to enter into this through the strategic part not through the imagination part. Um, you know, and a very clear example is that like when I plan family vacations, like I am not going to dream if I can go on this vacation, what I'm going to do unless I know we can get there and have the finances to do it. Like, I'm not even gonna, I'm not gonna indulge in that if I know that it's not even a possibility. So it's much easier for my linear project manager based psyche to enter in through the strategic part than through the imagination part you are blowing my mind right there hannah like i'm thinking about um conversations we even have at home sometimes and i clearly i'm not a six i'm a hard three on the enneagram again you can unpack that on your own um but for me i love to ask the question all the time so what do you want to do uh fill in the blank if we were to do some sort of family event or everything i get so frustrated at home when it's usually met with well we can't do this or we can't do that or we can't do this or we can't do that and i get mm -hmm. frustrated because i'm like well let's just get creative but there does come a point where you have to recognize and i need to do a bet much better job of this um at this is like confessional like relational work that needs to happen right now is it hurting your heart yeah like i'm like man i'm really good you, you, my spouse hired you to like do this with me but like i need to do a better job instead of just asking that blanket what do you want to do today or you should just go out but instead recognizing the constraints that are the container and say, in light of X, what are possible? What's possible? Mm -hmm. But I think you need both kind of people. Yes. Like you need the Absolutely. person that's going to say, no, just tell me what you want to do, where you want to go. And then I'm going to build the bridge to get us there. Right. Like, and then, I mean, not to say like anything's possible, but I love asking my kids the question of, if anything were possible, you know, what would you want to do? And then we can talk about whether or not that's like likely, <laughs> you know? And I think that a piece um, that's so important to me is that 
we're clear about what that question is, because sometimes that's exactly the right question to ask. If anything were possible, what would we do? But sometimes we default to this idea that brainstorming always includes that approach when that's not really the reality. The reality right. is you've already been given a set, you've already been given a set of constraints, a set of requirements. So let's just be honest about where you're starting from. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm thinking what you just said. Oh, go ahead, Nia. I was going to answer the question of, I realized what, when I hear the phrase strategic imagination, I have already talked about my mom um, one time and I'm going to talk about her again because she's delightful and wonderful. Um, but I I think of my mother in, in two ways. One is giving gifts um, and two is packing a vehicle. And I will tell you why I think of those things. One, giving gifts. With this whole conversation, I was like, oh my goodness, this is exactly what being a child of my mother has been like, which is that, you know, when we talked earlier about, you know, I have always wanted to be a parent, I do not have children, and I'm very aware of... um, some of the realities of having children, I'm sure I wouldn't ever know about many of them until I had uh, my own. And you guys were like, do you like money? Do you like freedom? And do you like sleep? That's true. That is exactly what we asked her. And I love all of those things. <laughs> and for, you know, the world that we live in, money being significant, a significant part of it, I have two younger sisters And therefore, for my parents, money has been, you know, I'm sure they liked money and didn't have a lot of it with three children. And the way that my mom always found a way to both be like, what do you want? And then found a way to either fulfill that thing or fulfill that want in a way that like, I personally could have never predicted would be fulfilled with a different thing than what I wanted. Mm, Yep. Um, Which like has impressed me as a skill from, from childhood of not getting the exact thing that I wanted, but being like, Oh, but this is thrilling to receive as a gift. (laughs) And as an adult of like, okay, well now all of us are adult children and we want expensive stuff, <laughs> you know, like we're wanting air fryers and whatnot. Um, and she still manages to be like, okay, so um, the constraint of this it was this type of reality. And therefore, here's your gift. And it's like a beautiful bridge, as we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. That's a great it. story. This episode is brought to you by Mrs. McKinney. <laughs> oh, by Miss Miriam. Miss Miriam. Yes. That was a beautiful story, Nia. Thank you for sharing that. I, I was thinking about how you all are, are sharing about strategic and imagination, and I think about how imagination is fleeting without strategy. Right, like, it, but strategy without imagination is just restrictive. So when we bring them together, it's kind of like a li- little bit of innovation that can happen that's sustainable. 
um, that I find like really powerful about what, what we do as a team at Learning Forte and how we work with our clients. But it's not just that. It's also how we integrate this, like you just said, Nia, into real practical spaces um, as people outside our professions. Um, and, and so that's, that's really just beautiful. So that leads me to ask this question is how has a strategic imagination been a part of both your learning and your leading? Well, okay. So I'm going to jump in and sometimes this is the fun part of being the CEO is, um, I, I see how this works for each of you. Like I see this piece here, right? Like I see, um, Nia, I see that your strategic approach to learning platforms is also creative, especially when it overlaps with sound and music. Like, what can we do? And I experienced that there. And, um, you know, Sarah, you have the ability in your graphic design work to find holes as you're laying stuff out. And this happened just this week. Like, Sarah was laying out a model for us, and she wrote back and said, I think the wording's wrong here because this is how it reads. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And we had left out the a really significant step in articulating that model. And so like, that is a place where I see that being strategic and imagination coming together. Um, Greg, I think that your clarity about why you're asking questions when you slip into your coaching piece helps other people be imaginative. But those questions that you ask are really strategic. And um, Hannah, I have just seen you get really clear about how your work around project management is um, the creative structure and the scaffolding that lets everybody be creative. And so I think that's those are all the places I see this value get played out in each of your work. I would say the way you built this company, Stacey, is if we can reflect back to you, I mean... I know we talked a lot about it, but you saw a, a gap and you saw what was possible and you saw what was real and you like built a bridge somehow. I don't know. <laughs> well, and I think, Sarah, I appreciate you saying that. And I think it gets to the place like this idea that a sustainable solution, we, the sustainable solution isn't always evident right away. Like when we engage strategic imagination and we're being honest about contextual realities and we're really engaging creative possibilities, we don't always know that the solution is going to be sustainable right away. I mean, this has been a huge journey of being a startup and doing it in a different way, even though we serve nonprofits. And I, that's probably a whole series that we should do together in the next few months. But, you know, like, we're we're really trusting that it's going to be a sustainable solution, but we're not 100% there. We don't know that yet. And I think, Stacey, one of the things I think you've talked about a lot, you've referred to most – you've referred to all of us at some point and pretty regularly as professionals mm-hmm. and experts in different areas. And I think one of the things that a lot of us have found liberation in and as we've had been a team together – is the the value of a strategic imagination a lot of times affirms us as individuals, as professionals, and as people, and reminds us that we have the ca- capacity to figure things out and to do things. Um, and a lot of us have even landed into uh, working with this team from different constraints. 
different job changes, different family and life circumstances, um, different questions and concerns we have about whatever. And, and, and working as a part of learning forte, I don't think for any of us was just a like, uh, I just need something to do. So I'm just going to work with, with, uh, learning forte. It was for all of us. It was like, this is a constraint I'm facing. And, and, this is how I can be creative in light of that 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 constraint with a company that's really going to feed me and affirm my value, my value and worth and ideas and identity as a professional. Yeah, the other part of that is, you know, we've talked a lot about how all of us have come from different journeys. And when I first came to Learning Forte, I had had congregational ministry, but I had no formal uh, education, like, like I didn't know anything formally about education. I was not an education major. I never was a formal project manager or consultant or anything like that. And Stacy looked at me and saw and used her strategic imagination. It's like, well, you know how to pull events together. You know how to get volunteers to do all of these things on a volunteer basis. We can use all of those skills and grow them. You're already an expert in lots of these. We can take these and I can ima strategically imagine that you are going to learn all these other gifts and skills that's going to push you beyond and you're going to grow into this role. Well, you know, I mean, you guys are talking about the whole reason Learning Forte exists. I mean, Learning Forte exists because I spent two years praying my way into God calling us to leave Central Virginia um, and God kept saying, no, Joel's job is grounded here and you need to stay here. And, um, I needed to figure out how to be vocationally satisfied and felt called to serve a small congregation. And so like learning Forte is the result of this constraint in that I, God says, you guys are vocationally grounded in central Virginia. And I decided I wanted to live in the same house as my husband permanently. And so, um, and felt called to serve a small congregation. And so like, what am I going to do with the rest of my time? And so like learning Forte is the result of the strategic imagination. And you guys have helped me do that. I want to throw a quick curveball question. That's not really a curveball. One of the, one of the quotes that we've kind of been throwing around a little bit at learning Forte in some of our conversations is one that um, I stumbled on through one of my favorite writers, science fiction writer who uh, has passed away. Um, several years ago, obviously, um, Octavia E. Butler, uh, in one of her essays called Fur Scribendi, which means rage for writing. And she, I'm going to read this quote. And I'm going to ask you what you think about this as it pertains to a strategic imagination. We've kind of talked about this a little bit as a team meeting. First, forget inspiration. Habit is more dependable. Habit will sustain you whether you're inspired or not. Habit will help you finish and polish your stories inspiration won't habit is persistence in practice forget talent if you have it fine use it if you don't have it it doesn't matter as habit is more dependable than inspiration continued learning is more dependable than talent and i'm wondering if we could just speak to that as it's connected to this conversation about strategic imagination that quote is so it reminds me so deeply of something that I have been practicing lately which <laughs> I call it a practice because it is it's very good for me which is I I love a video game I love video games so much and I love to watch streamers play and it just is I'm doing it all the time and this one guy that I watch 
He is a licensed um, marriage and family therapist. And he plays these games and and spends hours talking about the human experience and the realities of interactions, which can be so beautifully displayed in video games, like they can be in film, um, because of the choice that you have as a player. And his words have started to echo in my head in this way exactly, which is if you can make it a habit to do all of the things that we talk about and we try to live into, which is to be curious, which is to, um, if you are able, protect your boundaries um, and to be, to feed this version of yourself that is kind to the world um, and expects the same to return to you. And these words of like, habit is dependable. Habit will sustain you whether you're inspired or not. That's not to say that you haven't created these habits that are intensely creative, Hmm. that are intensely strategic. It doesn't mean that you haven't created a habit to every time you feel stuck in a work, a design, a word, a sound, and you say, okay, I'm going to leave my house. I'm going to walk around. I'm going to take a turn about the room, about the block. Um, And you are feeding that imaginative habit. Hello, dog. That was my dog. (laughs) (laughs) I'm thinking that the dog agrees. So I have a friend. Her name is Martha, and she's a very creative person like in the traditional sense and um she shared with me one time that she creates something every day whether it is a card or a piece of art or a poem or something but her habit is to create something every day even when she doesn't feel creative and that just blows my mind because i i do not embody creativity in that way um But this quote makes me think of her, that her habit is to create, whether she is inspired to do so or not. And that muscle memory of creating in her particular way, then probably, I would would imagine, leads to other inspiration for other things. Yeah, that's uh, what Julia Cameron says in The Artist's Way. I know I've brought up that book so many times, but... Even when you don't feel like it, put pen to paper or whatever it is you're trying to, you know, create a habit out of. Just do the thing. It may not feel great that day, but it is going to become ingrained as a habit over time. When, when we were talking about some folks um, feeling like they're not creative, um, what I love about this quote is that it reminds us that, like, forget about that identity that you feel like may be imposed upon you or not based off of cultural assumptions of what creative means. Forget about that. We can all be intentional and practice habits. Um, but 
also we have to be reminded that habits can change. And Octavia Butler does talk about how the thing about habits is that they can outlive their usefulness. And so we have to actually constantly refine our habits. Sarah, though, one of the things I would would love it if you could just share briefly is a small story related to what you shared with our team the other day when you were stuck in your creativity. Oh, yeah. Can you share that with our folks? Because you're a brilliant graphic artist and you had to rely on an old habit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was trying to come up with some a graphic rep, rep, bleh, I was trying to come up with a graphic representation of one of our like process models. And I stared at the screen and I stared at the screen and I just could not, I was moving, you know, shapes around in my program and and everything and I just couldn't. And so I finally just went to the printer, grabbed a stack of printer paper, put it on a clipboard and got some pencil and pen and just like went to town. And like what came up from that was not ultimately like even the visual that I landed on. But just like holding something and putting it to paper was the thing, the old habit that like helped me get in that more creative space. I really appreciate you sharing that. It was just, and I'm, we're really looking forward to sharing some of the, the results of some, <laughs> some of that returning into an old habit. Um, so uh, this has been a great conversation. Um, as you all know, like um, these values are all interconnected, um, embodied spirituality, uh, curious engagement, and our strategic imagination. They're, they're not, again, like we said, siloed values. They, they really are a part of this mo- mosaic of meaning that makes us up who we are. And, um, and so that said, we will get to our, our favorite part of this episode, the kitsch. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is something kitschy that you possess that reminds you of the value of strategic imagination? Show your cards, friends. Do you have another candle, Greg? I swear. Do you have another candle? I could. I have another <laughs> shirt. <laughs> Mine is, uh, okay, Bitter Southerner. That's another brand shout out. Maybe we'll get some sponsors out of all this. Uh, makes, I don't know, merch, swag. It, it's a magazine, online magazine and print magazine called Bitter Southerner. If you've never checked it out, go check it out. They made, they made this shirt. It says, Power to the Women, No Delay. And it's a... Shout out to Ruth Bader Ginsburg and uh, all she was able to accomplish because not only did she have an imagination for what could be, she had a plan and she was in it for the long haul. So there we go. Um, Mine is uh, visual. So you're just going to have to imagine this because we're on audio Um, is that my little corner of my garage originally was used for distant learning when my husband, the high school math teacher, was doing distant learning. And so I have a a whiteboard on this side, and I actually have a whiteboard behind me. Um, But that was a constraint because I do a lot of video, and the glare off the whiteboard was so terrible. So I went to Walmart, and I got a sheet, and basically behind me is just a beige sheet that I is nailed to the wall, and that's my beautiful background. And every time I, <laughs> I look in myself in the camera, I can see my sheet behind me, and I'm like, yep, that's, that's what we got to do. That's how we're doing it. My favorite, Hannah, related to that was the one time when a neighbor of yours uh, came by to your open garage uh, <laughs> about something with a grill. 
my grill cover was going down the street and my neighbor came over and was like knocking on my garage window. They're like, hello, I know you're in there. Yeah. Nia, what you got? The only thing I can think of is I am generally like a minimalist in belongings. I don't like having stuff because it makes me panicked. Um, But I do love to um, collect like microphone, uh, yeah, microphones that I have used in the past and I have like mic stuff set up. Many of them are very low quality as I have gained experience over the years, but I, I always keep them to remind myself of like my ultimate identity as a singer. Nice. And I have a can no, not a candle. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> I have another candle. candle. This is actually, I am not an artist per se, but when I was going through a pretty difficult time, if you were uh, with us, I uh, have a a, a collage that I made of all kinds of different magazine cuttings. I went old school in a very difficult time of of my kind of own personal professional life and transitions. And I just needed to make something. And I was like, I'm not a painter. I've tried. It's just not my thing. I'm going to use the work of other people. And so there's a quote on this from one of my favorite poets. And it says, half asleep, bells mark a butterfly's birth over the rubble. Rock speaks a rooster language and the light is broken clear. And I absolutely love it. And can you say what that's on? It's all yeah, just on. We're, we're on audio, Greg. No one can see your picture. The, <laughs> the collage <laughs> is on actually just computer paper. That's it. I just glued it with my kid's glue stick. I just found whatever I had. It was constraints at the time. And I just cut magazines, use duct tape in an old frame and just put it all together and hung it up in my office that is full of kitsch. Um, so uh, that's what I did. Again, I want to... Read it again, the poem. I did not write it. Half asleep. <laughs> half asleep bells mark a butterfly's birth over the rubble. Rock speaks a rooster language and the light is broken clear. Whatever rubble you're in the midst of, friends, may you find a strategic imagination that can lift you up and out of it as a beautiful butterfly that you are. Until next time, we'll see you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Live, Learn, Repeat, a podcast hosted by Learning Forte's Stacey Williams-Duncan, Hannah Graham, Greg Klimovitz, Sarah Lawing, and Nia McKenney. Executive production of this podcast is by Greg Klimovitz. Our audio production team is Nia McKenney and Sarah Lawing. Help us grow our podcast learning community by leaving us a rating on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and by sharing on your socials. If you'd like to learn more about Learning Forte and our various learning and leadership programs, consulting services, and digital platforms, check out our website at www.learningforte.com.